Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Cinema Films Podcast. This time we're taking a little bit of a break. Uh, normally I've been interviewing people who are cinematographers, editors, directors of photography, but there's more to the film industry than just producing the video content itself. There's a lot that goes into the preparation, into scouting, and into uh, creating portfolios that allow actors and other crew members to be discovered. Uh, today I have with me Ms. Tony Riles. She produces headshots, uh, industry standard headshots for actors and models and I assume anybody who needs them as well and uh, her, her main industry is photography but there's a lot of overlap between the two and personally I am someone who considers himself to be a photography uh, fan so this, this is going to be an interesting conversation. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm doing fine. So um, I suppose I, I should just kind of step back and let you talk about what you do for a little bit if that's alright. Sure. Um, for the actor headshots, you know, industry standard is kind of a term that, you know, a lot of people kind of don't understand. They don't understand the difference between a real professional headshot and something that maybe their cousin could take or they could take with a with an iPhone or whatever. Um, there's lots and lots of differences, and I'm sure we'll get into it. But basically, uh, the first thing to know is that most of the time, an agent will send the actor to me, um, you know, because they have a list of photographers uh, that they would recommend that can actually give them the headshots that will help get their actor a call back or even a direct booking. That's happened before. And so um, they know that they can count on that particular photographer to give them the shots that they need. And it generally involves a lot of different things technically, but it also involves, you know, directing and talking about characters and getting people into the right mindset. So it's, it's a pretty involved process as far as um, headshots are concerned. It's a rather fast shoot. But, you know, the whole thing takes a while to kind of figure out what you want to do. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, go ahead. In, in, in getting into the, the, the differences between a industry standard headshot and, say, someone just taking a photograph of a person or taking a standard portrait, what are, what are the main differences, if you don't mind me asking? Okay. Well, you know, portraiture is beautiful, and it usually involves a beautiful location. And um, so the first thing that um, an agency will notice is that there's there's a couple of really main differences. And one of the things we talk about, like for kids' headshots, is mommy goggles. <laughs> and what that is, it, it just is a slang term that, you know, we make up that talks about, like, things that are pretty to you that won't necessarily get you a job. So, for instance, if you're looking at a beautiful portrait of a person in a location that you can see a lot of location around them, that's a portrait. A headshot is head and shoulders only. It's usually cropped to the top of the head, if not in a little farther at the top of the head because nobody really cares about the top of your head unless there's something special going on up there. And, um, it's, the background is blurred out. It's a very narrow depth of field. Um, it's taken in a very plain location or a studio, depending on what kind of types of headshots you need, whether they be commercial or film TV. And um, they're overtly simplistic 
because casting directors are not really looking for locations. They don't want to see trees. They don't want to see buildings. They don't want to see living rooms. They don't want to see anything but the actor. And so whenever you see, you know, an actor headshot that has like a lot going on, then, you know, it's generally not considered an industry standard actor headshot. Okay. As in you, you know. So this is um, something I've always been curious about, but when it comes to actor headshots, I, I've noticed that there tends to be a lot less color correction and a lot less uh, touch-up work done to them as well. Is yeah. that intentional? There's actually a real good reason for that. Um, first reason is really simple. They want you to be able to look just like that when you walk in for an audition or a callback. If they don't recognize you from your picture, you have a major problem. So here's what here's what we do. Here's what we suggest. First things first is you'll get all of your headshots, or the agent will get all of your headshots, and I mean all of them, except for blinks or anything that you know might have gone wrong. So let's say we take 200 pictures, you know, in an hour, and you might you know get 150 after the call, which is what it's called when we take out any shots where you blink or look like a crazy person or whatever, unless that's what you're going for, right? So um, after that, retouching. And it's all different depending on which photographer you go to. So everybody's got a different answer for this. But personally, for me, retouching is post-production and it's optional. So, for instance, if you have a pimple, sure, that can be retouched. If you have a mole, it should not because it's a permanent feature of your face unless you're planning to get it removed surgically. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to things like color correction, as far as like pinkish tones in the skin, or maybe you're maybe you drink too much and you've got veins on your nose because you know we spot that. Um, that unless you're going to wear makeup to your casting um, as a guy, is sort of a permanent feature of your face too. And while color correction can be a really great thing for that, it can also change drastically how you look. So, like I said, it's optional. It's always post-production. You kind of need to see the real thing before you get into that. And it's really kind of a grittier side to photography because, you know, we actually, with actor headshots in particular, we are dealing in reality as opposed to fantasy. So a lot of people, and this is another issue that we deal with a lot, is they um, they don't know the difference between an actor headshot and a PR shot. Mm. And a PR shot is something that's published in a magazine, and it's for public consumption. An actor headshot is not published anywhere but within the industry. It's, it literally lives in a bubble. So it's sent to agents. It's sent to um, casting directors. It's sent to production people right it's not necessary and it usually is put on imdb or something like that but a lot of the really big stars on imdb don't even have their actual actor headshots on there they've got red carpet shots and pr shots and that's it mostly because their actor headshots showed real them mm -hmm. and you know to um you know when you're living in your own skin, you don't necessarily, you know, I would like for the, you know, Beyonce version of me to be out there as opposed to the real version of me. So, okay. you know, I get it. It's totally understandable. So on that note, are, are there any pitfalls to this approach where you have an actor who demands or gets upset that, you know, you're not necessarily always showing them the best light because it's not what's accurate? You know, here's the thing. We, we, uh, yeah, 
that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. It, it doesn't happen very often because most of the time they, they get it. You know, I do spend a lot of time explaining this um, to people. But, um, you know, having said that, I don't, I'm not actively trying to put ugly pictures of people out there. We do use good lighting. Mm -hmm. We do, you know, have a nice long conversation about wardrobe. We do explain ahead of time that it's head and shoulders only and the reason for that and all that. And, um, you know, so most of the time they come into it and they get it. And then if they want a light retouch on the back end that an agency approves of, then we'll totally give it to them. If they don't have an agency, it's totally up to them how far they go. And, you know, we caution them. But then, you know, they're at the end of the day, they're they're the client. So they're going to get whatever they want. Um, we do just tell them the realities of the situation is thus. You are doing this. You're not doing this to frame and put on your wall. You are doing this to get a job. And a lot of times, you know, you got to remember that if you get a movie job, your face is going to be 30 feet tall. Do you want to start that with a lie? Because if you're going to do that, then you're probably not going to get the job. They're going to see that right away. And plus, you should know that casting directors are experts at spotting Photoshop. Hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even just simple simple dodging and burning? Uh, simple dodging and burning. Yeah. Oh, dodging and burning is actually the first thing that they notice because frequency separation can be pretty... Um, and frequency separation, for those who don't know, is, is a technique that's used a lot, can be pretty, um, pretty noticeable. Mm -hmm. uh, generally, uh, you know, a healing brush is one thing if you're taking out, you know, blemishes totally fine but like once you get past that then you are you're gonna you're gonna be in a more noticeable spotable situation okay just kind of heads up everybody <laughs> gotcha <laughs> get a good makeup artist don't worry about it it'll be fine is this is do you think this is why a lot of people still prefer to have their headshots done on 35 millimeter or slide film versus digitally because that's that's a thing that i was reading about is that a lot of professional reading that because who the heck can even buy slide film anymore um, I believe Fuji still has some. Well, that's crazy talk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have not. I have not seen anybody use film unless they're an art photographer in years. Okay. So I, I honestly, I, I don't. Uh, I don't have an answer to that question. My Sorry. my information may be outdated because it was back in college, like at least four or five years ago. Whenever I read that, uh, so. So. Yeah. So now, no, not really. I mean, you know, the the key to, you know, if you're talking about film actors, mm -hmm. um, you know, the natural light shots generally give you the same basic thing. You know, you don't have to sharpen them up. A lot of <clears throat> photographers are obsessed with sharpening and they overdo it. And then, you know, you get a lot of texture that is probably not there to the naked eye. So, you know, it's, that's just a matter of choices and being able to edit yourself. Okay. From, you know? Um, do you mind if we transition over to uh, tools that you use? Sure, sure, sure. What is your go-to camera and lens combo? Okay, well, it depends, but my, my camera body is a Nikon D5. Um, it's not their biggest sensor. They're, um, honestly, I think the biggest sensor is the D800. Mm. But I have one of those, too. It's just it's so clunky <laughs> for me. Files are just enormous and uh, you know even shooting billboard stuff you're like damn you really don't need that much but um 
So I have a D800 for when it's necessary, but like the, the D5 for me is a really good, um, really good flagship camera and it does a really good job and it's a workhorse, which is kind of what I'm looking for. As far as the lens is concerned, if I'm in tight quarters, then I will use a prime lens, like a 105 or an 85 prime. Mm -hmm. um, or I really enjoy the 70 to 200 um, Nikon lens because it gives me a lot of really good compression. If you're looking for bokeh, that's that's a great great place to get it. Uh, the seventy two hundred is it the one point eight or the two f two lens? I think it's the f two. I'll have okay. to go look. Gotcha. <laughs> I, don't know. I, just, I just bought the darn. Because I've, I've I've got the f two and and a lot of people tell me no, you should have sprung for the the one point eight. But they're. I'll, I will be honest with you. If you're gonna if we're gonna go technical, here's the thing for me. I never shoot that wide open. Okay. Because I feel like once you narrow the depth of field and add compression, then you're getting like parts of the face out of focus. Mm -hmm. And I'm shooting so close that, you know, if, if your nose is out of focus, but your eye is in, you still don't have a good shot. I see. You know, so I need my depth of focus to be at least eight inches gotcha. or more. I guess because I'm so used to doing video, it's like, you know, APS-C or Super 35. So the, the way sure. that, the way that like compression works is slightly different. So I'm used to having like a little yeah. bit more oh, playroom. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of opposites in our world. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, what about software? Lightroom, Capture One, which is your preferred way of doing post? I, I do uh, Lightroom and Photoshop. Okay. Um, I organize my images in Lightroom. Um, I have two backups. Um, I have a server farm in my office, okay. and I'm actually looking into um, cloud-based um, additional backups as well, just to be able to, you know, another layer of peace of mind, because uh, I keep everybody's images for five years, mm -hmm. and um, honestly, between me and you, I actually keep them longer, but I'm thinking about going back five years and throwing some stuff out. It's very hard for me. It's like hoarding. But it's images. Um, I mean, after five... I, sorry for interrupting. After five years, someone's probably changed enough they need an update anyway. It, yeah, it's just not that. It's one of those things where you're like, you're worried somebody's going to die and they're going to need an image. <laughs> or, you know, there's just so many reasons to not throw out images. So it's just one of those things I haven't really... Yeah, I haven't come to terms with it yet. Okay. Yeah. But um, I do the, the call and everything in Lightroom. And then I do all the fine editing in Photoshop. I don't do any um, editing in Lightroom other than color adjustment or light adjustment. Okay. And it has a fine, fine tools for that. So. Okay. Um, yeah. Next question would be uh, drawbacks to what you do. What, what, are, what are some potential, let's say, you know, somebody out there listening wants to get into doing headshots, but they, they sure. don't know what they're getting into. Well, a lot of people um, think that the job is a glamorous job. God bless them. It's not. Um, so, yeah, just, just trust me on that. There's nothing glamorous about it. You have to dress like a photographer. You don't wear cute clothes to work, girls. Sorry. Um, portrait photographers sometimes can get away with that because they're shooting cute stuff in parks and stuff, and, and that's awesome. Uh, for me, I'm literally a, a cargo-wearing T-shirt, ball-cap-wearing kind of chick. So it's... Uh, it, that part's a little unfortunate, but um, there's also the money aspect. It's not a big money maker. It's not ever going to be a big money maker. It is what it is. Um, if you want to make a lot of money in photography, you go for weddings. Mm -hmm. 
Um, you go for the awe factor. You go, to, you go for sentimentality and romance. That's where the money is. Um, for this side of photography, which is technically the commercial side of photography, it is the the big money on the commercial side of photography. And it seems it seems very attractive to people because they're like, well, I don't have to deal with brides. And I'm like, yeah, but you got to deal with actors. <laughs> right? And it's not just one bride a week, man. This is multiple actors a day. And so most of them are genuinely sweethearts. They're just people-pleasing, gorgeous, lovely sweethearts. But, you know, there are different personalities, and sometimes they clash. And, you know, sometimes you just have to bite your tongue and move on. Okay. That's really the only downside to it. And, it's, and like I said, it's it's not – you're never going to be a millionaire taking actor, actor headshots, but um, – it, it, my thing was is that this was the vein that I was always interested in and having been doing I've been doing it for 18 years and having been doing it for so long I've developed a lot of techniques to actually help the actor even if they're a beginning actor get the shots that they need and actually emote in front of the camera which is actually a big helpful thing for them in our area there's no basic film class mm. you know or there's no basic actor film class what, so what area specifically is that um, I'm in Mobile, Alabama. Mobile. Okay, so you're in the southern part of the state. Yeah. So there are actor classes here, but a lot of them are scene study. A lot of them are kind of advanced. And the problem with that is, is that people don't know where marks are. They don't know what a key light is. They don't know how to find their light. They don't know the importance of it. They don't know why it's important. And so I do spend a lot of my time doing that stuff. Okay. Even though, you know, it's a detriment to me, you know, to have to do it but it's better if they come out of this with a little bit of knowledge on what they can use for next time or if they get a job or whatever because my goal is literally to get them a job mm -hmm. you know so um and we, we're really upfront about that the whole time it's like look this isn't about being cute and pretty and sweet and all that stuff this is to get you a job that'll actually pay you money and so you know once once they kind of grabbed onto that idea they're they're pretty good to go okay yeah so when you're dealing with actors and trying to get them into character for whatever sort of archetype they're they're trying to audition for what uh -huh. sort of techniques do you use to help them get in the right headspace that depends on their type and uh, depends on their age depends on their gender there's a lot of the uh, variables and factors <laughs> that go into that but um so it's kind of hard to say okay i treat it like it's a scene and we just basically start like riffing on, um, you know, a situation and the reaction to it, you know. And so I'm behind the camera and I'm talking constantly. So I'm not a silent photographer. Mm -hmm. So all this, all this chattiness that you're getting right now is like 24/7. Um, but you know, so like if their character is gruff or you know rough or anything I, I literally sometimes have to talk them through that because this is not something that they're super in love with but it might be their type and you know a lot of actors come to me not knowing their type mm -hmm. you know they haven't had that conversation or they don't have an agent yet or somebody has not sat them down and said oh your type is bimbo or whatever that's not even a word used anymore but you know that kind of thing and so you know once we get um, a really good idea of what the type is, and that can take a few minutes. We'll like go through that. We always do it. 
for lack of a better term, we always do a generic shot first. You know, there's no, there's no like hard colors on mm -hmm. their wardrobe. It's very soft and nice and clean and smiley or not. It's just very much, you can send this to anybody for anything and you don't have to worry about it. And then after that, we go into more character work. Okay. Yeah, and it's literally just like being in a class or on a set <clears throat> with just less people because, you know, we're basically doing the same kind of stuff emotionally to get there. There's there's nothing, like, major happening. There's no yelling. There's no crying. There's none of that stuff. It's all very subtle. But you got to remember, I'm shooting as close as, you know, somebody standing there talking to somebody in a room. It's very, very close. And so you don't want to be too, too broad. Mm-hmm. In any way, and so there's that. Okay. I think I think I hope I answered that for you. I, f I feel like you did. Yeah. the The main <laughs> thing I was wondering is if it's similar to you know a director trying to get somebody into the right headspace, or do you sure, have people sure. come in knowing who they want to be already? Yeah, and it's unfortunate because they have a script to rely on, so they already have more information. You know, once they've gotten on set, they have they at least have their sides. They have they have some basic information of who this person is, mm -hmm. and so one of the things that we do, and it's almost first thing, is separate self from actor mm. because this is not about you as a person, right? This is about who you want to portray. Mm -hmm who you can portray or who you are physically able to portray. And so <clears throat> there's there's literally like a, you know, a constant thread through the conversations that we have when I'm behind the camera or even when I put down the camera and I talk to them about, I don't talk to them like they're them. I talk to them like they're the character. And I say the character a lot mm -hmm. because it helps them to remember that this, isn't them having a picture taken for school or whatever. Gotcha. Because people get lost, you know, in thought, and then they kind of, you know, they can kind of forget what they're doing. You ever deal and with a person? Yeah, it's always on me to bring them back. You ever deal with a person who came in and completely had a, a the wrong idea about what kind of roles they fit? Uh-huh. Um, sure. Just, just any, any funny, like, anecdotal stories about something like that? No, I mean, it happens a lot actually okay. um oh god and you know I, so i can't really be too specific because uh you know privacy issue your podcast is not called the shade room my friend no but <laughs> maybe that'll be your next one but you know yeah a lot of people think they are better looking than they are mm -hmm. this is just that or the opposite is true and a really beautiful human <laughs> will sit in front of me and pick themselves apart Mm. and just dump all their mental garbage. And this happens, one of those two things happen almost every time. And so I've got like kind of canned responses to all that stuff, you know, depending on the person and, and what I've gathered so far about them. And, you know, so like my biggest thing, and especially for women, because women have been taught to be humble and kind and all this other stuff, and this is not the place for that. Mm -hmm. This is the place for literally feeling yourself and putting yourself out there. And so I don't, you know, give them a hard time about it, but I'm, I will say things like, you know, let's, let's be positive about ourselves today because you look great. Let's, let's, let's get a positive feeling going so you can get your great shots, you know, and I might get a little more specific, but that's the general version. Mm -hmm. When it comes to somebody who thinks that they are 
you know, Tom Cruise in the 80s and they're kind of not, there's kind of not a lot you can do. That's going to be more of an agency conversation than it's going to be a photographer conversation. For that part, you kind of do the best you can to give them what they want. And if you talk to an agency beforehand, give the agency what they want. And then you have to let them go have that tough conversation with their agent. Mm. Because it's going to happen. The conversation will either happen, you know, with a casting director or, you know, on set or online. But it doesn't necessarily have to happen while they're so vulnerable getting their headshots Mm -hmm. done. This is interesting because I, I guess before having this conversation, I always imagine doing headshots just consisted of having the, the talent come in, sit down, you know, you take the picture and then you're done. But it seems like you do a lot of PR work before they even get out on set. Yeah, it's not, it's not nearly that simple. And that's a big misconception about headshots in general because everybody's like, well, I've got an iPhone. What's the difference? And I'm like, well, <laughs> everything about this is the difference you know just not not only from the look of it but from how how you know you and the photographer actually kind of riff off each other and the uh, ideas that you're able to throw at each other to like elevate this because it's supposed to be elevated it's professional mm-hmm. it's not you're, you want to kind of go out there and be in the industry with something that makes you look like you know what the heck you're doing right mm-hmm. and you know, a, an amateur shot can be spotted a mile away and they almost never get a call back, mm. you know, because, you know, they're like, well, this person doesn't care enough about what they're doing to get a professional shot done. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. You know, extras are a totally different thing. Extras casting does not require industry standard headshots. However, I will tell you that a lot of extras are getting industry standard headshots now to elevate themselves on set because sometimes a director will see the headshot and will feature them. Yeah, that reminds me of a friend of mine. He he's done a lot of work in like Devil All the Time and he was on Hell at the Border and uh recently I think got in on that Spike Lee thing that's filming in Montgomery and he he got industry standard headshots before he started trying to apply as an extra, and I think that's been a big help for him. It does. It's one of those things that, you know, people people don't really, either they give it too much credence or not enough. There's, It's mm-hmm. very hard to get it balanced. But the not enough people <clears throat> think that, well, I don't need that. You know, I just want to be an actor. This is your marketing package. You are your own CEO of your own company. And you have hired an agent at a pretty good rate, you know, whatever percentage it is that you're paying the agent to market you. If you don't provide that agent with good enough marketing materials, and that includes a headshot, a reel, a slate, a really well done um resume then you know they have nothing to work with and it's not their fault that you are not getting callbacks and auditions right Mm -hmm. and this is our job our job is to get you in the door Mm. we got to wedge our tiny little feet in that door and shove you through it and once you're through the door it's completely up to you whether or not you get the job but you know the audition and the callback are so heavily dependent on the headshot that some people would just be shocked Mm. you know because at that point they're just looking for a look Mm -hmm. and a lot of times too like they have a character in their head and they're just looking for someone who matches what they they're imagining exactly that's the person or they or they have a vague idea and they're looking through headshots and then they spot it and it Mm -hmm. solidifies 
you know, the idea in their head because they've seen that person, mm-hmm. you know? And so that makes a big difference. So what agents do you frequently work with? I mean, if, if you don't want to name names, that's fine. But I'm just curious, like how broad of, of a reach do, does your business have? Is it specifically for okay. the state? And I'm not. Like, yeah, it's not. Yeah, I, I will not name names. However, I will tell you that, you know, I am located in Mobile, Alabama, which sounds desolate and small, but it's really not. It's kind of vibrant. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've always made the, the joke that, uh, like, Mobile is, is Miami Junior. <laughs> it's rather cosmopolitan for Alabama, if I do say so. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I have people that come from Canada. I have people that come from Atlanta. I have people that come from Huntsville. I have people that come from Texas and Louisiana. Um, the Gulf Coast, obviously. So, you know, I've shot for agents in L.A., New York, Miami, locally here. Um, Atlanta, of course. Okay. You know, those couple of agents that I've worked with there. So, okay, that's about all I'll go and on answering. That. Anybody who who's listened to this interview that's interested in working with you, what uh, what 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 could they do to get a hold of you? Oh, it's super easy. I have a website, tonyriles.com. It's kind of spelled Realis, so it's T O N I R I A L E S. And you know, I have a scheduler even on the website under the contact page. You can literally just go do it anytime you want. You don't even have to call me, but. Um, I am putting together a, <laughs> a booklet, which seems so old school, I can't even, but um, it's a booklet about how to prepare for your headshots, because that's generally our biggest problem, is the lack of preparation, and because people throw up their hands and go, I didn't know what to do, and I'm like, well, actually you did, because I told you, mm-hmm. so and this is going to be another layer to that, but um, yeah, we I spend a lot of time online doing model tips and actor tips, and and reposting stuff that other casting directors have put out there about headshots just to kind of help them understand that it's not just me being weird this is Mm -hmm. like how the industry works okay so you know the website is the best but if you really must you can always call the numbers on the website too all right yeah um any particular topics you'd like to pursue uh for the the podcast as far as headshots are concerned, or anything else, just, just any any conversational topic you'd like to you'd like to continue with that I haven't asked about. Uh, yeah, let's talk about wardrobe because it's a huge question. Okay, sure. Uh, tell me, tell me about wardrobe then. Okay, well, wardrobe is both not as important <laughs> and more important than you think. That sounds weird, but let me explain. Um, it's more important than you think because if you wear the wrong thing, people are going to get the wrong idea about you, and if you Uh, overthink it you're gonna just drive yourself nuts and me nuts and everybody's just gonna be nuts so what we try to do is we try to strike balance so like I have two options people can come in and do just one look call it a day boom done or they can do a one hour unlimited which is kind of a little special thing that I started a couple of years ago and so many actors like it that I kind of just didn't quit doing it but for the hour thing people just kind of tend to flip out and they're like oh my god what do I bring? This is all about wardrobe now. And I'm like, actually, it's not about wardrobe at all. It's just about who your type is and your characters are. There's a couple of basic rules. You don't want to wear, like, a lot of pattern unless you're trying to get into the Magnum PI reboot. Go for it. Um, but, you know, if you've got specific things that you need to do, then you dress for it. You don't dress for it in costume total no-no but you dress alluding to it so you know if you're going to be a bad guy you wear black 
right? If you're gonna, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna be like um, a, a southern bad guy, you've got a mullet and you're wearing a um, like a strappy tank top. Mm-hmm. I don't guess call that what whatever they call that for men. You know, a sleeveless shirt. And I have this one guy who came in, and he he really got his type. He knew what his type was. And one of the things he brought was a gas station attendant's shirt with the sleeves ripped off. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And when I put it on him, it was like, oh, I get that guy. I know that guy. And you always kind of, it always like locks into place, you know, once you get it all put together. Mm-hmm. And remember, this is only head and shoulders. So there's no need to bring extra shoes and pants. There's no psychological advantage to wearing pants that go with your outfit. You should be able to act well enough to only be acting from the chest up because mm-hmm. that's what you're doing. Also, there, this is kind of a big deal for me, and it's, it's one of those things that I see a lot. And it's starting to die back a little bit, but it has to be said, hands don't belong in an actor headshot. Mm. So if you've got your hands, if your head, if your chin's on a fist, you are, it's uh, bad, 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 bad. I feel like like I've seen a lot of headshots like that, where it's like the guy sitting almost in like the thinker pose. Yeah. Come on, man. I mean, what are you, what are you, what are you going for here? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That is literally the, I don't know what to do and nobody's telling me what to do. So I'm going to do this pose. And so the whole the whole point of that is is that they're posing and acting is not posing acting is reality it's bringing something real to a character that's been made up right mm-hmm. so what we try to do is we try to get to the truth as opposed to just like making stuff up well it it, it reminds me of uh back in film school one of the things that i had a professor tell me that's kind of stuck with me and proven true more often than not is that actors get most of their emotion from their eyebrows and their lips than anything else uh-huh. it's it's literally like subtle shapes that they make with their mouth and their eyebrow can change the entire mood of a situation sure and there's this little muscle underneath your eye mm-hmm. that you can use and you know if you have like if you're thin you can work your cheekbones mm-hmm. that's a whole thing um so there's there's all that but you know when it comes to wardrobe it can totally derail you because like if for instance this happens a lot you got a busty woman and she comes in and she's wearing way too sexy of an outfit Mm. or a or a series of them whatever and you know you have to you have to have that conversation and it's uncomfortable and you have to go okay what are you doing are you going for um, these type of roles only because no casting director is going to pass that. Mm. You know what I mean? You've got you've got to be like super duper chill about everything. So what we try to get them to do is like um, wear stuff that's like, "Hi, I'm your best friend. I also watch football with you, and I'm a cool chick." When it comes to like you know the actor headshot for a woman thing. Mm-hmm. It tends to work a little bit better. It tends to make people a little more comfortable. And at the end of the day, for instance, if you if you are a younger girl or a younger woman and you're wearing something that's way too sexy, then you're automatically out because there's a cringe factor. Mm. Uh, is it is it because of like the the perception of it as well? There's t- there's a couple of things. There's um, you got to go put yourself into the casting director's shoes. Mm-hmm. He goes, okay, we know. 
from the act from you know from the submission that this girl is 13 14 years old mm -hmm. okay we know that she looks like this but we know she dresses like this so the questions are where is her mother is uh -huh. her mother to this is she is this what she wants is this girl overly sexualized already and how am i going to deal with that on set nope not dealing with it on to the next one yeah and then also the the current events going on aren't helping things either with no. some of the industry okay. professionals yeah so there's, <laughs> there's a there's caution which there should be but you know i think that and this has only been my experience, but mm. all of the casting people that I've ever talked to, I've always been kind of overcautious anyway. Mm. But kind of like, no, 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 no. The rules are the <clears throat> rules, and it says that below 18, you can't do that kind of stuff anyway. So why would you put it in your headshot? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Because they can't, you know, uh, you know, if you're still at uh, school age, you're doing things like, you know, you have on-set teachers. You can, you're playing. You're supposed to be playing roles younger than you, not older than mm -hmm. you, right? I so, guess I'm just naive because I, I haven't seen too many headshots, and I've never had to deal with that situation. So what I picture in my head is that, and then like what the reality of what they're dressing as and presenting themselves as may be two completely different things. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> and so you know, it falls to me to like have those tough conversations of like, okay, while this may not seem inappropriate to you. Mm -hmm. You need to understand that this isn't about you and your personal preferences. This is about, you know, putting yourself, giving yourself a lot of empathy because actors <clears throat> require that to do their job and thinking about, you know, the casting director and what they would think about this mm -hmm. and what kind of roles you're trying to get. If you're trying to get on a sweet little sitcom and you're going to be the kid, you don't need to be anything but that kid. Mm-hmm. Right, and so that's kind of that's kind of that conversation. When then there's the whole like color white and blousey blouses and things that don't fit, and and all of these things kind of aren't great, mm -hmm. you know, for various reasons. Mostly photographic, but sometimes for character too, because every color has a body language. Mm -hmm. And so if you like, everything we do is about body language. It's incredibly psychological, but like you know. One of the main reasons we don't like hands in a photograph is because hands give you away. Your face can be totally composed and your hands are freaking out, right? So, you know, it's really hard to get people to relax in front of a camera as it is. Then you add hands to it and then, you know, you could be done. So, you know, when you think about body language, you got to think about, you know, um, all of the things that we have people do. And it's mostly about filling the frame, getting closer to the camera, leaning in as opposed to leaning back there's there's certain things that make you more attractive too when you do that okay so yeah i want to roll back real quick to the topic of dealing with with kids how how do their parents play into the situation because i i, I imagine in my head dealing with kids is a nightmare but maybe i'm wrong about that no not even uh, kids are actually way easier um it depends most kids i'll tell you why um we shoot from eight. I joke around that we shoot ages three to death because literally I've shot headshots for a 90 something year old woman before. Mm. And she's fabulous. But, you know, the, the little kids, their parents are always there. They're pretty much right beside me unless the kid keeps looking at them, which I will just have the parent move slightly to get out of the eye line. But, um, generally, the kids are, you know, great. They came to play. 
Mm-hmm. And this is so play. That's kind of the point. And I tell adults all the time, I was like, if you could just have as much swag as a seven-year-old when they come in here, because they're ready to go, man. They're having a great time. And they'll give you whatever you want. You'd be like, oh, be mad. So they'll be mad. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to go through a whole lot of character, you know, contortions to get stuff out of them because it's already right there on the surface. I guess they come in with less baggage than the adults do. Yeah, well, once puberty hits, then things go horribly wrong sometimes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, and so, you know, the older the person is, generally, the more stuff they have. And then there's a certain age where, and I don't know what that age is, and I can't wait for it to happen to me, where all that stuff cuts off, and they don't care anymore. <laughs> and when that happens, boom, there you go, you're good to go. Okay. But up until then, you kind of have to work at it. All right. Yeah. Well, if if there's no other topics, I feel like that's that's about it for me in terms of questions. Okay, great. Yeah, we've got a, about a 45-minute podcast here, which I think is a pretty decent time. <laughs> you should probably talk about how much it costs to have your headshots done. Gotcha. Because that's a big, big deal for a lot of people. All right, well then, uh, sure. So how much does it normally cost to get headshots done? Depends on your market. Depends on where you get them done. If you are in... LA, New York, Atlanta, or Miami, it's going to cost more. Um, That's just the reality of the situation. Basically, what you can do is you can go online to everybody's portfolio, which you should do anyway before you look at anybody's, before you book any photographer, you should look at their work. I highly recommend that. Even as a photographer, it feels very vulnerable for me to say that, but it's true. And if you don't like it, don't go. Find somebody else. But, um, so, for instance, here I have a special that's one ninety nine for one hour, mm-hmm. and um, makeup artist is extra, like sixty bucks, if you choose to do that because it's optional. And what that gets you is that gets you all of your basic images. Um, most people, you know, depending on how intense they are with changing, you know, their hair or how slow they are with changing their clothes, can get you know four or five different looks in in an hour and generally and I do overshoot and it's a big problem but there's generally a couple hundred images for the agent to choose from what's great about that is that you know we try to get we try to bring every emotion out during that hour that we can so that if they have to you know um, send a headshot in for a specific type of character, then they have that ready. It's on their computer. It's ready to go. They can send it anytime they need to. And so that's very convenient for them, too. And we actually tell people that, you know, your headshots last for 12 to 18 months unless you never change. But I don't really know anybody that never changes. So if you go get your headshots done, for instance, as an actress, and then you change your hair the next month, you've got to get new headshots. There's no choice. They can't market you with different hair, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you gain 20 or lose 20 pounds, then you've got a whole new look, and you need to eat, and it will show up in your face, which is a big deal. So you need to be aware of that and, and kind of just, you know, settle on something, Figure out what your brand is, what your type is, get your headshots done, and just go for it. But in larger markets, you can pay up to $1,000 for headshots, although I would not recommend it. Mm. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, I'll do them for cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it there. Um, yeah, right. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. This has been fascinating. I'm, I'm sorry that like I'm so unfamiliar with the world of, of headshots. I feel like there's probably better questions I could have asked if I'd been more familiar with it. But, but you know what? It... That's, that's why it's important, because people have been trying to keep this world too <laughs> secret for too long, and there's too many people that want to get in, and there's not enough information out there. Mm-hmm. There really isn't any good information. And so, the, you know, find you know, hard to find people that you trust because a lot of people are going to lie to you. Mm-hmm. You know, so. All right. Well, yeah. I think that that about does it. Thank you for coming on. You are welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this has been fascinating to uh, learn about an area of the industry that I don't normally hear about. So. It was fun for me too. All right. Thank you. Thank you.